Thursday, September 13th, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado. And you know, if you are tired of the same old standard sports talk where you get the callers that are yelling into their phones, you get the arguments that don't usually even make sense, hang out here for a while. You're going to like it a little bit better. We talk sports with a dose of common sense. We try not to overreact to every single thing that comes out. And you know, a lot of times we just prefer to laugh at the sports world because a lot of it is actually pretty funny. We are happy to have you here with us today. Happy Thursday to you. I know that we have a full weekend of football coming. Got a lot of things to watch this weekend. Going to be talking about that more tomorrow. But don't forget that for the first time this NFL season tonight, we actually have Thursday night football games too now. Tonight, the Baltimore Ravens go to Cincinnati to face the Bengals. Now, we all saw Cincy get a little bit lucky on Sunday in their opener against the Colts. Found a way to get a win. Wasn't always pretty, but Cincinnati starts off the season 1-0. Then we saw Baltimore just have a complete and total cakewalk against the Buffalo Bills as the Bills didn't even show up. They get an easy blowout. Hey, this isn't a bad Thursday night game. I know a lot of times. The Thursday night games are not great. This one's not too bad. We've got a pretty nice game between divisional rivals here. Granted, yes, at the end of the day, it is Joe Flacco versus Andy Dalton. But don't think about that. Put that aside. Don't stop and dwell on that point. Let's focus on these things. League rivals, both 1-0. We're just going to try to keep it positive today. But Ravens, Bengals tonight, that's not too terribly bad. Hey, if you'd like contact show, maybe you'd like to let us know something else you'd be watching tonight, we would love to hear from you. Email us at dailydosesports at gmail.com or feel free to reach out to us over on Twitter or Facebook. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. Maybe you've got a suggestion. Maybe you've got some feedback. Maybe you have a question. We've had a few things recently. Got another one today that we want to talk about that we have gotten from listeners. Hey, if you've got an opinion on something, shoot it out to us. We would love to hear from you. Got a lot to get to today. You know, we do have a few stories coming out in the world of sports that I want to discuss. But we have a few other things to get to today as well. You know, one conference in college football, they need to step up in a big, big way or they're going to get left out of the college football playoff. And like I said, we do have another listener email to address today. Want to make sure that we get to that. Plus, as we do on a lot of Thursdays, we will have our top sports media overreactions of the week because it seems like every single week we are being told things. They are throwing a lot of things out at us. And on Thursdays, we just like to look a little bit closer and see if what they're telling us makes any sense. What we don't want to do is we don't want to be those sports fans that just hear all that stuff and just accept it as fact. I'd rather think about it a little bit first and then see if it actually makes any sense. A couple things coming out in the world of breaking news, though. And let's start off bizarrely in the NBA because Oklahoma City Thunder guard Russell Westbrook apparently had arthroscopic surgery yesterday on his right knee. And they are saying he could miss the first few games of the upcoming season. Now, I know we have some listeners in Oklahoma. I've heard from some listeners in Oklahoma. I've heard from some listeners that are Thunder fans. They listen to the dose. And I know when you hear Russell Westbrook had an arthroscopic procedure on his knee, your first reaction would probably be Panic City right? I want all of you Thunder fans, and even if you're just an NBA fan, take a slow, deep breath. 
it's going to be okay. No, I have no idea why Russ is having a surgery now. You would think if this was a problem coming off of last season, he would have had the procedure done at the end of the season, not waited till now. So maybe he tweaked the knee playing pickup. Maybe as he's gone through the offseason, it just hasn't responded to treatment in the right way. Maybe when he was spotted last week on the sideline of the UCLA versus Oklahoma football game, I don't know, he hurt his knee falling to his knees in frustration again and again and again at how horrible his alma mater UCLA looks. I don't know. Yes, Russell Westbrook might miss some time, but remember, the NBA season lasts until next summer. He has nothing but time. Hey, would it be the worst thing in the world if Paul George had to take the reins for a while? That wouldn't be that bad, would it? Maybe then he kind of feels like he has some ownership then. Maybe then next year in the playoffs, he actually steps up and guards somebody or makes a big play. That wouldn't be all bad. So this isn't the worst thing. If we could see Paul George step up and not be a baby in the playoffs as a result of this, hey, that wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? But I mean, I'm a look on the positive side of life kind of guy. Maybe that's just me. Switching over to the NFL, it looks like Josh Allen is going to be the second rookie quarterback from that class of 2018 to start a game. That is going to happen when the Buffalo Bills play the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday, according to coach Sean McDermott. The decision by McDermott and his staff came after a full evaluation of this past Sunday's 47-3 road loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Josh Allen was drafted with the seventh overall pick, and he was brought in to replace starting quarterback Nathan Peterman in the third quarter of that opening game. He finished the game 6 of 15 for 74 yards, and he was sacked three times. Let's think about this for one second. My man was sacked three times in a little over a quarter. Are you sure you want him facing Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram with the Chargers? I mean, they did manage to hit Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes six times on Sunday, and the Chiefs actually have an offensive line. The Bills don't. Hey, Josh Allen, from me to you, I am wishing you the best of luck. Also, don't forget your rib protector. You're going to need it on Sunday. (laughs) Also in the NFL... Apparently, the Detroit Lions reportedly have more concerns than just that 0-1 record after Monday's ugly 48-17 loss to the New York Jets, and this happened at home. It took place at Ford Field. According to the NFL Network, they are saying that some veteran players are not pleased with how hard new head coach Matt Patricia is working them during training camp. They don't like how many team rules he has put in place. And in fact, one of the player's agents predicted ahead of time that the team was going to be out of gas in week one because of the grueling training camp that Patricia has been running. Now, we all saw on Monday, Detroit looked absolutely outclassed. The Jets blew them out and it was not as close as the score indicated. Matt Stafford threw four interceptions. The defense looked horrible against a rookie quarterback and Sam Darnold. Fans were getting up and leaving. It was such an embarrassing loss. Hey, things might not get a whole lot better for the Lions right away. Think about the next four quarterbacks they're going to be facing. Detroit plays San Francisco next and Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they get Tom Brady. Then they get Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, the most winnable game. 
And then they get Aaron Rodgers. Now, I know the first reaction is to go out and just blast Matt Patricia. I get it. I totally understand. And I would be glad to bash another coaching failure in the Bill Belichick coaching tree. One thing we might want to look at first and foremost, are the players mad at Matt Patricia because, I don't know, maybe he's stealing his players' food? Have we looked into that at all? Because I don't know if you saw him on the sideline of that Detroit game. He is a perfect circle. Like, he is completely round. There is not a straight edge on that guy. He looks like a grape. Might want to look into that. But I want you to think just briefly of the Detroit Lions franchise just in general. What do you think of? Like, if you just think back, the Detroit Lions. I mean, maybe if you're older, you can go way back to Bobby Lane. But let's be honest. What do we mostly think of? If we think of the Detroit Lions, we go Barry Sanders and they always suck, right? That's your first reaction to the Detroit Lions. Barry Sanders, I remember, he used to be there and uh, and they always suck. What about when Barry was there? No, they still sucked then. What about before then? No, they sucked. How about now? Still suck. Like that is what you think of when you think of the Detroit Lions. And the reason that I say that is because when we look at this situation, like I said, I would love to blame Matt Patricia But if these players aren't used to what Matt Patricia is doing, that's probably a good thing, isn't it? I mean, if he tells them to go work hard and practice and they're not used to that and it's grueling for them, I'm sorry, I don't feel bad for you. That's what you need. Whatever he tells you, that's what you need because you have no history of success. He does. If he comes out in practice tomorrow, And he says, okay, today in practice, here's what we're going to do. You're going to put your helmets on backward and you're going to try to play that way. I I don't care, Detroit. You have no credibility. I don't care what he tells you because Matt Patricia has actually been involved in winning. The Detroit Lions haven't. So I don't really care what they tell him. Now, if he continues to do this and the players continue following and it doesn't work, okay, then go ahead and blame him. But you're the Detroit Lions. Whatever he tells you to do, Just do it. You have no history of winning whatsoever. I don't care if he puts a kicker at quarterback. Just do it because he knows more than you do, Detroit. You've never done anything. Hey, coming back, what college football conference needs to step up and they need to do it, you know, like right now. So last season, the college football playoff was highly, highly entertaining. I know There was some controversy about there being two SEC teams in that Final Four. But hey, what can you say? Georgia and Alabama not only both made it, they eventually played for the title. And that game between those two was phenomenal. It came down to the final snap of the game. Also in the Final Four, Clemson gets in from the ACC and the Oklahoma Sooners get in from the Big 12. But as was the big news last year, notably absent from that Final Four, was the Pacific 12 Conference. And I'm telling you right now, if the Pac-12 is not careful, it's going to happen again. The Pac-12 hasn't gotten off to the greatest start. And as we're starting to look at the schedule shaping up, it's not looking so great because they only have so many chances. Of course, we know conference favorite Washington, they lost that opener to Auburn. And when you look at the rest of their out-of-conference schedule, hey, it's as soft as the baby's bottom. That doesn't actually help them. Because now, for the Washington Huskies, there is no room for error whatsoever. 
If they stumble at all within their own conference, if someone manages to get them and they slip and fall, do you think the playoff committee is going to take a two-loss Pac-12 team? Probably not. Not so sure about Washington. Now, we've already seen Southern Cal lose to Stanford and freshman quarterback JT Daniels. Yeah, in that game against Stanford, he looked every bit like a freshman. Southern Cal is extremely talented. Maybe they can bounce back, but they've got a very, very tough road to the playoff. And they had better start with beating Texas this week or the Pac-12 gets dropped even further down the list. Now, we do have Stanford in the Pac-12 sitting at number 10, but they still have a pretty tough schedule. They've got to go to Oregon, to Notre Dame, to Arizona State, and to Washington. Can they make it through all those games without a loss, maybe even two? I kind of doubt it. Arizona, we've talked about. They're terrible. UCLA might actually be worse. Could the Pac-12's best hope for a conference champion actually come down to a school that maybe we don't really think of? Like a Colorado? or a Utah, or an Oregon, or maybe even an Arizona State, it might not be the best bet for getting into the playoff. Hey, the Pac-12 needed to get out of the gate quickly. They haven't exactly done that. And as a result, hey, you can't afford too many more losses. The Pac-12, if they cannibalize themselves like they usually do each year, I could see really, really easily that they end up getting left out of the playoff yet again. Can't afford too many more losses, Pac-12. You got to step up. You know, I did receive an email here. And I honestly, I considered whether or not I should share it on the show. And I probably shouldn't. But I mean, I'm going to anyways, because I don't know, I'm stupid like that. But here's an email that I received last week. Daily Dose. With the new Nike ad featuring Colin Kaepernick, are you going to be burning your Nike gear soon? That comes to us from T down in Phoenix. First off, T, thanks for the question. And no, for the record, I'm not burning anything. I paid for my Nike stuff. And honestly, how big does my ego have to be to think that if I went out, I don't know, in my front yard and I piled up all my Nike stuff and I dump some lighter fluid on it and I burn it and I, what, take a video and post it on social media? How big of an ego do I have to have to think that has any impact whatsoever anywhere? Like, I have to be like an egomaniac to do that. So no, I'm not burning my stuff. I paid for my stuff. And we can debate the Colin Kaepernick issue. We can talk about what he stands for. We can go into that whole thing. But I guess my biggest question about the whole thing is I don't know that Nike made the most sound business decision. I mean, like Michael Jordan said, Republicans do buy sneakers too. But hey, that's Nike's call. That's up to them. They feel like this is going to work for them. That's their business plan. That's the direction they want to go to. Uh, That's up to them. But I have noticed one thing, and it's not just one-sided. It's on both sides of the Kaepernick ad. I've noticed something very, very interesting. I've noticed that supporters of the Kaepernick ad were usually originally the ones bringing up the capitalist pigs that Nike actually is because of their treatment of women and the sweatshop conditions for their workers in general. But now, oh, they're all on board. Hey, we love Nike. We're all about Nike. Can't get enough Nike. Got to go get some more Nike. Previously to this ad, there was a lot of pushback from that side. Meanwhile, the anti-Kaepernick group was saying, hey, we can't control every working condition. We don't know what Nike does. They're just trying to make a business. 
We're just buying the gear. That's not their side anymore, is it? Now it's how dare they put that person in there trying to peddle their wares in a capitalist society. Do you see what I'm saying? Like a lot of people have kind of switched sides on their feelings on Nike really, really quickly. And the only difference is they got one guy to stand up and do an ad for him. Now, me personally, this is just for me. I will continue to wear Nike. I will do it for the kids. Because those little guys and those little girls that work those 18-hour days for pennies a day, putting together my shoes, my hoodies, my shorts, my sweats, say what you will about Nike's business practices. But those children that they have working for them, I'm telling you right now, they are little wizards with dry fit. I don't know how they do it. I just know that they do it. So no, I'm not burning any Nike gear. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to wear it in support of the children. Hey, thanks for the question, T. Feel free to send more questions if you've got questions. Something like this you'd like to ask me, feel free to reach out. We will always do our best to answer. Now, we need to get to our Thursday overreactions of the week. You know, every week, we do like to take a look around the sports world and just see what kind of overreactions the sports media is jamming down our throat. I don't know what we're yelling about! And right now, with the NFL obviously rolling along, we're getting a ton of things thrown at us every single day. And so with that in mind, what are the biggest sports overreactions to the NFL season so far? Oh, we have a ton of them. We've got to get to a few of those right now. Because one of the things that I'm hearing, and I've heard it from multiple media outlets, is that the Pittsburgh Steelers running back James Conner if he can be effective and if he can continue to play well, like he did against the Browns, he wasn't great, but he was okay. That is going to force holdout running back Le'Veon Bell to show up. Hey, if Connor can go out there and he can prove that he can take the position, then Le'Veon Bell is going to have to show up. I'm not so sure about that. I don't know if I understand what Le'Veon Bell's doing. And the first thing that everyone says is, well, he can sit out until week 10 before it really hurts him. No, he's forfeiting paychecks right now. Understand, he's not getting paid right now. Yes, he can come back at week 10 and then he can go ahead with his contract, but he's forfeiting all this money. But the whole situation with James Conner performing well and maybe getting Le'Veon Bell to come back quicker than he wants to, I don't know if I buy that. Remember, Le'Veon Bell is not showing up with the Steelers because he doesn't want to get overworked. Last week, In that game against the Browns, James Conner had 31 carries. That's a lot of carries. Le'Veon Bell is not looking at that saying, oh, I got to get back. He's looking at that saying, that's why I'm not coming back. I don't want 30 carries a game right now. I'm trying to stay healthy and go get paid. If you think you want to give the ball that many times to your running back, yeah, go ahead and give it to Conner. I'll come back later. So I don't think James Conner is going to change Le'Veon Bell's situation. What I would worry about if I were Le'Veon Bell is that feeling among teammates and offensive line that maybe he's kind of letting them down. I would worry a lot more about that than I would about the James Conner situation. I don't think that really applies that much. Another popular opinion that we're getting, staying in that AFC North, is that after watching that first game of the season, those Baltimore Ravens are now possibly the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. Did you see that 47-3 beatdown of the Buffalo Bills? And it wasn't that close. I watched the game. It was not that close. That was brutal. Baltimore might have some pieces in place. Except that I don't know if beating the Bills 
means anything. Name a position of strength right now for the Bills. Not only did they lose their quarterback, did they lose most of their offensive line, did they lose some people on defense, did they lose a wide receiver, not only did they lose all that, there's also the psyche of players knowing because we all kind of look at these teams and think, oh man, those players don't even realize, but I think they're kind of in rebuild mode. They know that. They're not stupid. They know it more than anyone. They're looking around and saying, hey, wait a second. We're in rebuild mode. Why am I going to go out and kill myself for this franchise? They're looking to rebuild. They're looking to move on past me. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder if the Bills might just quit this year. So I'm not going to put that much stock into that win. I want to see a little more what the Ravens do over the next two, three, four weeks. That's going to tell us a lot more. Hey, we've got a lot more sports media overreactions to get to, including should the Cleveland Browns make a move to Baker Mayfield? Got a lot more to get to after this. Hey, just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping you need to do, you might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose, where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles that feature your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. September's Loot Crate theme is now out, and it is called Invaders. Forget the flying saucers, they're already here, and it may already be too late. Embrace your new overlords with exclusive new gear featuring some of our favorite alien invaders. September's Loot Crate theme features items from Alien, The Predator, The X-Files, and Venom. But trust me, if none of those franchises appeal to you, make sure that you do stop by Loot Crate because you are going to find just about anything you could possibly think of over there. Of course, the best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, just make sure that you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order just as a little thank you for listening to the Daily Dose each and every day. So let's continue with our Thursday overreactions of the week. We've got a number of things that we've still got to get to coming out from the sports media because the sports media loves to tell us things and they don't really care if they make sense or not. They just try to get our attention with some bizarre headline. One of the things that they're saying this week, after his week one performance, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers is definitively the greatest quarterback of all time. I understand the sentiment. If you watch that game on Sunday night against Chicago Bears, and we all saw Rodgers get carted off, we saw the Packers go down 20 to nothing, we see Rodgers come back and engineer a 20-point deficit comeback. Hey, it's hard not to look at Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, man, he might be the guy, right? I'm not saying he's not the greatest of all time. I'm simply saying that game the other night doesn't prove it. Beating Chicago at home? Beating Mitch Trubisky at home? I mean, it's not bad. It's pretty good. That was a pretty amazing game. Pretty phenomenal comeback. Does that prove it? No. You know what puts Aaron Rodgers in the conversation for me of greatest of all time? The fact that he completes 65% of his passes for his career. Here's one other thing I want to throw out there. And I know the knock on him. Well, he doesn't have as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady. I understand that. He also hasn't had the team and the coach that Tom Brady has had. But let me just throw this out there. When was the last time you remember Aaron Rodgers just having a horrible three, four interception, two fumble kind of day? When was the last time we ever saw him just struggle? Maybe he didn't get on track. Maybe he didn't score as many points as he wanted. But name the time that Rodgers just went out and looked horrible. Oh man, Aaron was just off. He was just bad. Threw so many interceptions. Didn't even let his team have a chance because he just was so sloppy. I'll wait for your answer. Yeah, I don't remember it either. 
I don't know of a time. Dude is very, very consistent. He has all the athletic tools. And like I said, he is one of the most accurate quarterbacks to ever play the game. That could be why he's the greatest of all time. I don't know if the Chicago game proves that so much. One thing we're getting asked, and a lot of people are talking about in the sports media world, should the Cleveland Browns make the move at quarterback to rookie Baker Mayfield? This past week, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, in the opening week of the season, we saw veteran quarterback Tyrod Taylor, he's pretty sloppy, didn't have the best day. Maybe the Browns should have just pulled the trigger and got Baker in there. Hey, why wait? What good is it doing Mayfield to sit on the sideline? We know why they brought him here. Why wait? Just get him in there. Taylor was bad anyways. I don't know if I buy that. I really don't. And I understand Taylor was very sloppy. Taylor did not have a great game. But here's something to throw out. What if Baker Mayfield had come in and been worse? What if Baker Mayfield had come in and made more mistakes? Hey, Tyrod was not very good, but he has experience. I'm not sure you want to put Baker in the situation against what is a very talented Pittsburgh Steelers defense. He fails and then he struggles. And then what do you do the rest of the season? Are you juggling quarterbacks? Do you put Tyrod back in? Or would you be better off just saying, hey, Baker, let's just wait a few weeks. Let's give you three, four, five, maybe even six, eight weeks of watching. Then we'll put you in there and we'll see where we're at. And if an injury or something happens, hey, then our hands are tied. We've got to do what we've got to do. I don't need to do that too soon, though. I certainly don't need to pull him in the first four quarters of play. Really? Week one of the season, we have to get Baker in there? I don't think that's the best move for Baker Mayfield. And I'll be the first to criticize the Cleveland Browns, but I actually thought they did the right thing leaving Taylor in there. Another thing we're getting from the sports media world this year is that veteran Washington running back Adrian Peterson is going to have a huge season. I don't know if you saw this, but he had 26 carries, had almost 100 yards on Sunday. Pretty good stuff for the veteran running back. Adrian Peterson, remember when he came back from those knee injuries? Came back like they're nothing. He's just a different guy. It doesn't phase him. He just comes back and it all works. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if it's his training regimen. I don't know what it is, but Adrian Peterson is just a freak. I know he's had the injuries. He hasn't played that much lately, but hey, you could see on Sunday, he almost had 30 carries and the Washington offense got some things done. They got the big win. But before we go putting that out there, let's go ahead and wait. Because here is where Adrian Peterson is at. Yes, he's a veteran. He has had some injuries. He has taken some hits. And I am a firm believer that running backs have a finite number of carries in their body. Now, if you are a running back like an Adrian Peterson, maybe even like a Marshawn Lynch, you can run extremely hard. You can run with a ton of power in weeks one, two, three. And then your body starts to remember, hey, what in the world are we doing? We weren't getting hit all summer. Now we're getting hit every play of every game. Yet this isn't going so well for me. The body eventually will tap out. Enjoy Adrian Peterson for now. Because I would bet by week eight, his body is starting to tap out and saying, hey, hold up. Wait a second. I can't do this anymore. And you're either going to have an injury. Maybe it's just a small nagging injury. Or you just see a major, major drop in production. The best situation for Washington would be to platoon Adrian Peterson. We know he doesn't like that very much. Yes, Peterson is okay. I don't think he's going to be great. Another thing that we're hearing this week is that Indianapolis Colts quarterback Andrew Luck is back and he looks as good as he did. The Colts went out and yes, they lost to Cincinnati, but 
that wasn't Luck's fault. Luck came out, he produced, he had a pretty good game. And now we're kind of finding out that he had the original injury. Then he had the snowboarding accident. So maybe he's not quite as bad as we thought. Maybe Andrew Luck can get back to form. Hey, we all know the NFL needs as many good quarterbacks as we can possibly get, right? And yet, I'm still worried about Andrew Luck. I'm not quite ready to say Andrew Luck is back. Because here's the thing I noticed in watching that game. Andrew Luck is still taking way too many hits. On Sunday against Cincinnati, Luck only got sacked twice. Hey, what's the big deal? He took two sacks. Who cares? Remember, sacks are one of the most overrated stats as far as how many times a quarterback is getting hit. I want to look at hits because hits are where quarterbacks start to get nervous. Andrew Luck was hit nine times on Sunday. Yes, Cincinnati has a pretty solid defensive line, but nine times, first week out, it could end up getting worse for Luck. You can't take that many hits if you're Andrew Luck. Not in his condition. We don't know when he's going to get that hit that puts him back out again. He's got to find a way to stop taking those hits. Take a few incomplete passes. Throw the ball away. Don't sit there and get smacked again and again. I really think Andrew Luck's courage sometimes comes at his own detriment because that is where he ends up getting hurt. Another sports media overreaction we are getting this week is that the Los Angeles Chargers lost their home opener to the Kansas City Chiefs, a division rival. Hey, a lot of people were on that Chargers bandwagon prior to the season. Is it time to jump back off that bandwagon? Are they in trouble? Are they going to get off to that slow start again? And yes, they probably will because that's just who the Chargers are. But losing at home means nothing to the Chargers. I mean, it means literally nothing because they don't really have a home game. No one goes to those home games. Whoever is coming to play the Chargers, it's a home game for them. So playing at home versus playing on the road for the Los Angeles Chargers really doesn't make that big of a difference. They're basically always on the road. I have some concerns about the Chargers because I just have concerns about that franchise in general. It's not really anything I can put my finger on. I just know how they operate every single year. That is my concern for the Los Angeles Chargers. But losing a home opener to a pretty good Kansas City Chiefs squad, that doesn't actually bother me as much. That doesn't make me think their season is in jeopardy because they don't have a home game. Home away means nothing to the Chargers. What worries me more is that's just kind of ingrained in them. That's just how they operate. I would worry more about that than I would, oh, they took a home loss. Who cares? That doesn't mean anything. Hey, tomorrow is Friday, and of course, we will be taking a look at the latest sports news and stories. And as we do on many Fridays, we will have our preview of the weekend in sports. It is a jam-packed weekend in sports. We've got a lot to watch this weekend. Plus, as we do on most Fridays, we will have the return of the Daily Dose Top 5. You know you've got to tune in for that. I've said thank you all so much for listening to the Daily Dose every day. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the emails, for the questions, the suggestions. Thank you all for sharing the show. It is very, very appreciated. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a great Thursday.